As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. Today's episode of Android's Dungeon. Vikings. They've traveled to Norway. What has it changed? Is it good? Is it bad? Who knows? Civilizations that are big. Some of them are tiny. Some of them are mega. Other stuff. Stay tuned. Welcome to CFRU 93.3 FM, broadcasting, for the moment, outside of the, well, inside the University of Guelph, outside the realm of possibility, I don't know. Uh, CFRU 93.3, Guelph, what did I miss? Uh, Canada. Canada. You can listen to us online at CFRU.ca if you want to navigate the website, which isn't that bad, or you can check us out on all the podcasting websites, every one of them, that matters. Um, check us out on Instagram too. Kayla, what's the Instagram? Uh, you'd think I would know what it was by now, but instead I'll just kind of slowly drag out me telling <laughs> you that something. I don't know what it is. Uh, it's Android's Dungeon uh, CFRU. Android's Dungeon CFRU on yeah. Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> that should have been easier. I don't know. It's a, If you ask me, sometimes I have to remember what like email addresses are and stuff because it's like, I don't really, I, I'm not used to emailing myself. So it just yeah, like, things true. just leave. They just go out well, there. Well, exactly the same. I just, we just post on the Instagram. We don't usually <clears throat> look for it, but yeah. you should look for it and see, we post a lot of cool pictures of board games. Yeah. Sometimes cats. Sometimes Mostly cats board and games. board games. Yeah, that happens too. And also, <clears throat> we might say what we liked about a game especially, or if we didn't like it. And maybe we even invite you to leave a comment about what you liked or didn't like. <laughs> yeah, just do whatever you like, you know? Just uh, Sometimes it's nice to know somebody's out there, you know? I mean, uh, there's people out there. There's people that like our photos. A lot of people. Oh. Really. Yeah, like a lot. Oh, yeah, so we're basically famous? We're basically famous. Is uh, what's her name? Uh, I'm just gonna pick. Uh, is is Kendall Jenner looking over her shoulder? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> because Android's dungeons yes. sneak, sneak, sneaking up. Yeah, so that means that you should get on that bandwagon before it's too late. You can say that you were an early adopter. Does uh, this is something? In, oh, by the way, Android's Dungeons is a show about games, music, movies, <laughs> um, and thinking yeah. of uh, social media celebrities. Yeah, obviously. Uh, does it would be interesting to see if. And I think this would be, it would almost, it would create this negative feedback in the sense of you'd want to follow everyone, but it almost make it, it would almost, like, it it would make people happy that if you could find out what follower number you were of a person, like, let's say, um, whoever I am, I go on to Twitter or Instagram Mm -hmm. or something, I become famous, but if you followed me, like, if you're one of the first hundred people to follow me, that's like a feather in my cap in a sense, because it's like, oh, I followed this person before they blew up and had three million followers. Well, I mean, we could do that. If you're one of our first 100 followers, I promise we'll know it was you, and (laughs) (laughs) we'd be be happy to let you know. (laughs) Um, 
anyway. <laughs> Let's move on before it gets any more depressing. Yeah, whatever. So, uh, like I said, Android's Dungeon is a show about games, music, movies, and typically we like to talk about the games we've been playing recently. And uh, in this case, Kale and I have been sharing a lot of the games we've played recently. And by Why the way, well, it's because A, we play games mostly two players, oh, but okay. you've mostly been around me and I've mostly been around you when we've been playing the games, huh. the board games at least. Interesting. Um, so let's let's start things off strongly with what we just played yesterday, and that is the expansion and base game of I think one of my it's easy top ten game of all time uh, for me at least, um, Feast for Odin, and with the expansion which came out recently called the Norwegians, and the Feast for Odin I think came out two years ago or is it three? Sure. Um, but it's uh, the the I think the latest of the big uh, Uwe Rosenberg games and he's done it other stuff physically since physically large it's physically large but it's like it's the next one so you go it's you go from Agricola to Caverna to Lahav to um, I don't know if you want to throw Medic, uh, Mercator in there or something but I feel like that's more of a side project and then you go to Feast for Odin it's the it's the the games just keep improving upon certain things as you go on versus something like Recuvolt or um uh, oh shoot! What's the other one? Uh, Nusfjord, hmm. which is those they're they're bigger games, but they're not like as epics. Like I think Feast is his masterpiece. But anyway, so that came out a little while ago, and the expansions came out recently, and we got to play it. We sure did. And uh, Kayla, what were your thoughts on Feast for Odin Norwegians? So I thought Feast for Odin Norwegians was very interesting. Um, first of all, uh, we couldn't figure out how the boxes lined up. Apparently they're supposed to line up into a single scene. We couldn't figure that out. We're supposed to be Googling it, but we didn't. But if anyone knows, I'm going to look it up right now. So keep talking. Okay. You look it up. Anyway. So Feast for Odin introduces some new worker placement options, which is great because, um, there weren't enough already apparently. So now there's even more, you know choice paralysis that occurs <laughs> i don't yeah i guess it adds the fifth yeah. row but the fifth row isn't as bad because it's, it's anyway, like, we'll get to that in a okay, second anyways um so what was good about this one there i feel like i'm not being i don't well, know why don't, why don't i get going yeah, and then you, you can you jump start. in so right away the game is the base game is gigantic and it yes, has it um it, and i mean this in both the sense of the box is huge but also, if you're going to put on a table, be prepared to... You need a lot of space. You need some space. And we don't have a tiny table. Like, I'd say we have a medium-sized table. Yeah. If you put a leaf in it, it gets... I'd say it's large. Yeah. Um, as it was with our medium-sized round table, when we set up this game, there was no room to put the uh, the the tiles onto mm. the... Which come in trays. Which come in uh, GMT counter tray type things. Vacuum and there's trays. a whole new one. So base game comes with two of those. The expansion comes with another tray that isn't totally filled with stuff, but that lets you kind of play around with adding some things as you go or splitting up items and stuff. But bottom line is we couldn't fit it on the table, so we had to have a side table just to have all this game within playable reach. And the side table actually was wonderful because it was right between us, lower level, and we could both kind of take stuff as we needed it, and we weren't reaching over each other and, and knocking we didn't over knock it drinks over. and knocking things over. So it was, it was brilliant. But um, the game itself is it's a worker placement game which uh and, but it's very fr very free flowing it's almost sandbox style and as opposed to previous rosenberg games where there was this one of the biggest Agricola's basically don't starve the game 
until you figure out how to play it properly. And then it's like starving is not as big of an issue, but you're always worried about feeding people. Caverna, you still got to worry about feeding people, but it's, it's a fair bit easier. There's a lot more ways to feed people and it's just more of a, uh, sort of a, a, a resource sort of limit on the game is that every round or more or less you're gonna have you know you have to feed this many people when you get up to Feast for Odin not only do you have to feed people every round but the game throws the ability to feed people at you if you are starving in the game because you have to for have to uh, in this very elegant manner of the other games where you have to make more pieces by taking an action. This one, you always get another Viking at the start of every round. But as you go on, that means you have to feed more and more people. But it's so simple because every couple of rounds, they just give you tons of food to feed. Tons uh, of food. Tons of food. Um, and the main thing about Feast of Rome, then, is you immediately notice is that it's basically you're playing Tetris with your board. And there are certain rules, and there are certain things you have to keep in mind. But in general, you have a player board, which has your home sort of base or your home village. And around it are tons of little negative ones, and there are little objects or little items that are kind of embossed, sort of. And what you're trying to do is, as you go through the game, you're filling up that home board with these pieces that are different sizes and shapes and even special ones that are very oddly shaped that you can get by taking crafting action or if you're a mean Viking going out and stealing from people or tons and tons of different things to do. And as you build up this home board, you start covering up things. And if you successfully enclose one of these special spots, which has like a symbol of a rune or or um, a piece of wood or something like that, every round, you are it's your bonus. You get to take one of those, or you're given one of those for free from the general supply. And to make matters even crazier is that there are other islands you can take too. So you can go exploring and get these tiny little sideboards that have their own unique little puzzle layout and their own bonuses and their own negative ones that you have to cover up or else at the end of the game, those are worth negative points. So this game is this wonderful puzzle where you're getting, how greedy are you? Do you want to go exploring to these islands? You need certain boats to go to these islands. Some of these boats don't work to get to that island. Some boats are only good for whaling. Do you even want to touch that stuff? Do you want to go hunting? Do you want to go pillaging? Do you want to just go trading? Do you want to become an animal breeder? The game lets you do whatever you want in that sense. And it's it's really, really cool. I'm seeing Kayla looking up. Have you figured out the how the box art looks? No. Not yet. Not yet. Right. I'm working on it. All right. We're getting there. Anyway, it so that's the base game. Long comes Norwegians, and immediately what you notice about Norwegians is that there's more options. They're, they've added pigs to the game. I love pigs. And the pigs are cute. Um, the pigs breed like normal Super Rosenberg. Fast. Yeah, normal Rosenberg animals, which is that if you have two of them at the end of the round, you get another pig. That's it. In the base game, what happens is your animals become pregnant, and then at the end of the next round, they, they give birth. So it's a lot slower process. Um... So that is already you've got more items to choose from, more stuff like that. It adds more islands to the game. So now you've got these sort of uh, European islands that you're looking for, and you can go to, like, England <laughs> from the looks of things. Uh, Why not? Why not? And the other thing, too, is that in the previous game, the biggest complaint leveled against it was the occupation cards. And the occupation cards were one of these things that are neat in theory. And it's what kind of uh, Agricola was kind of working on was that all these different cards that you kind of get and let you play. And they're like trying to introduce that into the feast world. Except half the time when you're getting these cards, they're utterly useless to you. You look at them and think, hmm, I'm not going to bother changing my game around this card. So what Norwegians lets you do is you can actually get rid of them. When any, and you have the opportunity in the game, whenever you would normally play it or be allowed to play it, you can trade in for victory points. So, <clears throat> excuse me. 
now you can actually get things, points from them, if you don't feel like using them as what they're intended to be used for. And the other thing that they add to are you have a variable start to free different players because in the base game, everyone starts the same. All the player boards look identical. In this one, the player boards don't change, but you're handed out these artisan shacks or sheds that every player has basically sitting in their pocket unbuilt until they decide to take an action that allows them to build one of these uh, buildings normally as you would from the base game. In this case, you're allowed to build one of these special buildings instead. And these buildings are really neat. They're all unique, and they give you a neat little guiding area of what to go down. So, for example, in the game we played, I got the barn. And the barn allows you to, every round you're getting, uh, when you max out your income on it, you get three bucks. And you also get a piece of, I think I don't know if it's straw or wheat or what, but it's a nice long orange piece. <laughs> but in order to finish it... like hay or something. It's got to be, wheat. I don't know. I know, it's probably wheat, so you can make it into bread. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. Um, but in order to close it off, you need to get a horse. And that's another animal that's in this game, too. Horses and pigs. And the horse is very difficult to get because it's a very powerful animal and it takes a lot of planning to sort of get one unless you've, you're you going to throw down some cash quickly or you've got some, some smooth moves. But anyway, Kayla had a spinnery, which allowed her to get uh, cloth or um, the, the item that you can turn into cloth, like flax, I think. Um, and it just gives you something to kind of focus around in the game and like work around. It's lovely, absolutely lovely. The components are tremendous. Brand new rule book. It's. I don't want to spoil Kayla's thoughts on it, but I'll say right now is that there's no going back. It's after you've opened up Norwegians, you will never, I think, have a reason to go back to the previous game because it also replaces the uh, player boards from, or not the player boards, the action board mm -hmm. from the main game. And they actually made the modular in the sense of like now you can lay them out how you choose. Whereas in the base game, it was one piece of cardboard that was full, or cut in half. So you could you would fold, but in this one, it's just three separate pieces. So just for laying things out, you even have a little more variety. You could like lay them across. Lay them across, yeah. exactly. Or you can like spread them out. And you can do whatever you like because they're just loose cardboard, essentially. They're still great. Um, but anyway, Kayla, what were your thoughts on Feast for Odin? Norwegians. Uh, well, I already love Feast for Odin. I think it's a great game. And I think the Norwegians just added a bit more it's been a while since we last played mm -hmm. so i feel like it's hard for me to remember exactly what feast for Odin was like without the norwegians yeah. but now they're here to stay we've reorganized stay. <laughs> i like it <laughs> we reorganized the box to put things that are non-essential so the old yeah. islands the old player action board into the expansion box so that we essentially have made our own essential edition of Feast for Odin. Yeah, because that's another thing too, is it just straight up replaces certain pieces. So yeah. as long as you're playing with the expansion content, there's no reason ever yeah. to look at the old ones. So would you recommend Norwegians? Yeah, I think so. I don't, I think that you should have it. If yeah. you have Feast for Odin, you should have Norwegians and then you should just make your own essential edition like we did. Yeah, and just scrawl it on the side, right? And like video yeah, I'm going to and send it to Uwe. Uh, yeah, I think it was great. I feel like I didn't use as much of the Norwegian's expansion as I could have, only because I was just getting back into it. It's been a yeah. while since we played, yeah. despite it being one of the favorites. It's a huge game to get out. and It takes and like 20 minutes to set it up, too. Honestly, I think the setup for it is probably less than Caverna. No, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really think, because we played Caverna last weekend, too, so I think that it's actually less and I think it's worth it. I almost want to pull it out and play again 
I know. I'm, I'm tempted to play it immediately, too. And that's one of these games that I always talked about was that ideally it would be great to have it just set up permanently because mm-hmm. it, there's certain games, and this is what I think it's come up on the show before a couple of times, is that there are a bunch of really good games out there, but setting them up is such a pain sometimes mm-hmm. that you're like, uh, I and, don't know. <laughs> and for some people, that would be totally fine. Like, if you could have Feast for Odin in Norwegian set up all the time, you should do it. But we have these things called cats, and they already <laughs> wanted to... <laughs> eat the game our cat came up and tried to eat one of the stone pieces like, yeah Riker you? came up and she was just destroying it and then Troy was just was Troy stepping on cards and making a mess or was that Riker again I think it was still Riker yeah well one cat definitely wanted to attack the Vikings but yeah or she didn't like the Norwegians I'm not sure either way yeah. she wasn't pleased with it but no. I definitely agree I think this game is uh, and what was interesting is we both had incredible games yeah. that I stink at this game if you look at our previous scores our scores were crap miserable very very bad like tons and tons of negatives for not covering up spaces on our yeah. home boards and this time we both had pieces to spare and I had tons of food I had yeah. more food than I needed yeah, which is crazy I had tons of money I had tons of food I don't know if that was the the Norwegians aspect or we are just getting better mm-hmm. I feel like Norwegians must have had something to pl- to to play into that because we haven't played in so long so it can't be that we're better well one I forgot to mention too one of the biggest changes as well with the new player boards is not only do they kind of change some of the actions around a little bit but it is more it's easier to play with two players now because um, I believe they've like because each side is double sided and it'll usually say like one to two one Mm -hmm. to two or one to three and then you flip it over the other side it's more for the three to fours or two to fours or three to fours sorry um so what one of these things is that they've added an entire new column, which is the fifth action column. And I don't want to go on too hard about this, but if you've ever played Feast Rome before, it was only four columns. That's all you got. And with this one, there's a fifth action. And what happens is it takes one or two Vikings. If you pick two, uh, you're allowed to play an occupation card as well as take that action. But the fifth column actions are incredible stuff. They're really, really powerful. Now, the caveat is, is that you might think, oh... It only takes one Viking. I'm just going to spam the fifth column actions. Not so fast, friend. It doesn't work that way. Because once you put one Viking down on those spots, you're done for the rest of the round. So I love that it creates this. And it didn't come up in two players. But it was in the back of my head a little bit. Was It creates this tension because if there's a great action there and you want it, how desperate are you to actually take it? Will you sacrifice maybe three Vikings or four Vikings to make sure you get that? That's a tough one. It's a tough decision. I feel decision. like there's already always so many actions that I want to take that sacrificing them is just not something I want to do. Yeah. But there were times where at the end I would have one or two Vikings left, usually one, and there wasn't anything super promising in the first column, and the last column was perfect for that. Yeah. But in a bigger player game, there would be more demand, and it would be harder to do. Yeah. Although, again, I think maybe this is either a testament to Norwegians upping our game or we are upping our game just because we are getting better at games in general. But there was a lot of competition for some of the spaces. Like, there were times where you did something and I was like, gosh, dang it, I really wanted that. <laughs> gosh, dang it. Like, I had planned a turn ahead that that was what I was going to do and then Jack sniped it. Well, it's because, and I think it's because we were playing well, that if you've played the game before, one of the main things is you're upgrading goods because you can't put uh, orange and red tiles, which are kind of food or raw mm-hmm. goods, onto your player boards, Correct. except for the artisans, which mm-hmm. allow you which to do Which helped, some, which was yeah. cool. Um so you need to upgrade them. And there are some spaces that allow you to upgrade them, but they become very contested very quickly mm-hmm. because it's like, oh, uh, I can upgrade uh, three things for like two Vikings or it becomes you want to try to maximize your Vikings because it's the amount of action points in that round. So yeah. 
um, certain things became very, very competitive very quickly. And Kayla ended up winning the game Ta-da. She with an emigration strategy. And it wasn't yeah. necessarily that you built the entire game around it. You were just doing it. Yeah. And it worked out great, too. And it too. just happened to work out that I used my boats to plunder that heck right. out of the treasure, and then also would flip them and make them into immigration. Yeah. And then it was easier to get another boat because I also had tons of resources mm-hmm. because I was filling up my board and every round I was getting stone and wood uh, as some of my bonuses. So I never felt like I was lacking in resources. Exactly. As we got closer to the end of the game, the mountain strips where you generally get resources because you went up to the mountain and you cut down a tree or yeah. you pulled out some rock, they became... <laughs> That's what happens, Jack. Where you found some money on the ground from a leprechaun. Yeah, I was going to say, where'd the money come from? The leprechauns, obviously. Mm. Um, they became way less important, whereas yeah. they're super important at the beginning. And well, because you have no access to them. So there, there's yeah. a neat climb in what you're looking for. Yeah. And it's like, as you become more self-sufficient, it's like, I never even want to look at some of these actions mm-hmm. again. And that's when the upgrading becomes so critical and that you want to turn these goods into things that are actually useful for filling up these boards. And like Kayla was saying, we both finished the game with surplus pieces. Uh, I had tons of extra stuff lying around that admittedly couldn't necessarily use them the best, but like they could have been used if I had had more space to put mm-hmm. them. So anyway, Feast for Odin Norwegians, uh, absolutely, if you like Feast for Odin, do not even hesitate. Pick it up. Just get it. I don't even think it's that expensive. Was it expensive? Uh, I think it's like, uh, I don't know, 38, 40 bucks or something. That's not for, bad. It's, it's really not bad. It's a pretty significant expansion. It has tons of new boards, has a new tray with new pieces. Yeah. It's pretty significant. So I don't think that is unwarranted at all. No. It, that's super reasonable. And considering what it does for the game, I'm not saying the base game is unplayable. And if you are on the fence, maybe play if he's thrown first and then think about it. But it'd be difficult for me to almost recommend it. It's almost like saying like Viticulture Essential Edition. Well, like, do you play? I would say just play with Tuscany. Don't exactly. waste your time I was, just, with, I was just about to say okay. Viticulture and Tuscany. You have to play with Tuscany now. It's just like once you go there, you can't turn back. So if you're not willing to... I don't know, play Norwegians every time, then don't go there. Yeah. But I really would recommend just pulling out the Norwegian pieces that you need and popping them in the box. Yeah, it'll fit fine, but uh, it it, you're still going to have a girthy box, so <laughs> you can impress friends impress friends and family with this. It's still not as heavy as Gloomhaven, but no. it's up there. I think Caverna is actually heavier. Caverna is heavier. Well, we Although, got the insert. Though. yeah, we have wooden inserts in Caverna. Yeah. Um, so speaking of giant heavy games, uh, before we go to um, music break, I want to have a quick chat about a game that you hadn't played in a long time, uh, but where you sat in with us and you played with us, which is a, I think it was our number one games, uh, a game last year, Megasive. We got in, I think, seven player game, seven player mm. game. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, seven. Because we blocked off two spaces. Yeah, seven sure, player seven. game in uh, the other weekend, and it'd been a while for you. Mm-hmm. And what were what were your thoughts on it? How was what was the experience like? Well, um, the experience was definitely heightened by all the snacks that were available. <laughs> what a good snack layout, um, and also good company, of course. Uh-huh. Uh, so game wise, yeah, I hadn't played in a long time. Uh, it was pretty easy to come back to. I felt definitely more knowledgeable about what I was doing and the choices I was making. I played as Rome this time and I had some decent neighbors around me and also no one to kind of behind me, Mm -hmm. which was good. I thought again, it went super fast. Just like last time it wasn't, uh, I mean, the end kind of got a little draggy, but mostly Mm. it went fast and... 
I mean, it was a good experience. It was, again, we're not playing super competitively. We're hanging out with our friends really for the day. And that's always good. As for, I don't know, I'm kind of, I go back and forth on Megasiv. I think I'm definitely at the other end from you and Joel. I think it's a good game. I have never, like so far of the two times I've played, I haven't had a mind-blowing experience. I mm -hmm. haven't felt the need to rush back and try to get into mm -hmm. another game. I think doing it once a year is lots for me. Okay. I don't know. It's, I think that because by the end it got kind of draggy and it yeah. didn't really feel, and maybe it was just me, I wasn't playing as well as I could have, and maybe that was just like a personal, like I was tired or whatever, had too much sugar, I don't know. <laughs> too much sugar. Uh, but by the end it felt like it was just kind of dragging on and I wasn't making a lot of progress. I think especially because I ended up hitting some calamities, which meant that like my cities were decimated. So I had to build back up my population and rebuild my cities. And I wasn't really expanding very much. Yeah. Um, kind of made it interesting. Um, oh, sorry, kind of made it interesting in that I wasn't making a lot of progress. And well, it's definitely one of the the, the issues with the game is that at after a certain point. Um, it becomes the rebuilding simulator. And it's when, ideally, I think it's in that section there that the game should start to shine, shift into a different phase where people are maybe some attack the leader or um, screwing with other players. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're kind of in your own world and people are leaving you alone and you're just trying to rebuild, it becomes a sort of round after round, just like, oh, God, now I have to, now I have to fix myself again. And hopefully nobody screws with me too badly in between mm -hmm. this stage. So I do agree that the beginning of the game, so it goes from every move being super critical because uh, it can really screw you up badly if you don't initially build your cities in the right location or if you do other things to um, I've got some more room to breathe and I'm kind of cruising to um, I think one or two options one or two of, uh, paths where it's like oh I'm, I'm just getting ravaged every turn I can't get my feet back up to I'm steamrolling and I'm just hoping that uh, I can sneak by or get like other people leave me alone long enough to for the game to end but it's that last section there that I find can often sort of drag, especially if you're feeling beaten down a bit and you're just kind of like, oh, here we go again. Here's another round where I can't get anything to happen. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I'm happy that you played and uh, it, I'm disappointed that you don't necessarily, you didn't necessarily leave it going, oh, if only I'd done this better, if only I'd done that. But Well, no, there's lots of things that I wish I had done differently or better, yeah. but it doesn't mean that I'm... It didn't push you to be like, all right, put it all right, down. Let's, let's, let's play again, again so I can do it better. No, I think, I think I'm... I'm good for this year and I'll try again maybe next year. <laughs> but maybe there's another option. Maybe there's like, I don't have a problem with playing a game all day. I think yeah. that's a cool thing. I yeah, think yeah. it's, I, again, the, the one reason, the reason that I love board games besides the fact that they're super cool. Are they that cool? They're pretty cool. <laughs> they are pretty cool. Come on. But so, some of them, the reason that I love board games and the reason that I don't play board games online or against computers is because I love the social aspect. Yeah. I love hanging out with our friends and having a good time. Yeah, yeah. I love having, I love being able to talk or I love being able to not talk and you yeah. can just talk about the game. I think I've mentioned this on the show before, but I find it's a really good icebreaker, especially mm -hmm. if you don't know people super well, or maybe you're just like not in the mood to have make small talk. It can really do wonders for <clears throat> like a little gathering. So I like that part of it, but I 
I don't know. I, I might be interested in a different game that took all day. Yeah. Well, I think the next one that's because uh, we we knocked off Sekigahara, which wasn't that long of a game actually. It's like no, it's it's a pretty I'd say two hours, and that's yeah. like if we and if I think if we played it again, it would be much quicker because we know exactly the mechanics sure. and what we're doing here. Um, but I think the next one on the list, there's two uh, that are, it's an 18xx train game. Mm-hmm. So whether it be 1846, which some people say only takes two hours. I do but, like trains and train games. So I think that it's either that one or the other epic game that people have talked about and that I've, I've, we were this close to playing, but I think we wisely deferred to something simpler like Mega Civ, which is uh, Here I Stand. Mm. And I'm really looking forward to getting Here I Stand out because I'm excited to see how people uh, respond to that, but mostly because it's, I think it combines a lot of the different types of games that people are f- quite fond of, and the, 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 the diplomacy is oddly popular. Um, in uh, mm-hmm. with Joel loves it and Stefan loves it and a bunch of other people who, f- uh, I'll call them friends of the show, are quite fond of it and play. Um, this, this type of war game is, ex- is extremely popular, and Here I Stand has tons of diplomatic uh, elements to it in a more strict sense rather than uh, some looser games like, would you call Risk diplomatic? Not really, mm. unless there's somebody that's like, you don't want to make him an enemy because he'll ruin his game to spite yeah. you. But um, anyway, those games, like I think Here I Stand is about seven hours long, if uh, which is seems short by comparison to Mega It Sip, does. Sounds like a bummer. <laughs> Maybe I'll sell that. Well, you know it's going to take two hours to learn the rules and set it up. Well, and blah, it's, blah, blah. I'm the only one who knows the rules, so it would be <laughs> old Jackie Boy flipping through manual. Uh, we'll see. Maybe I'll read it before we play. Maybe yeah, that's I, I decide literature. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> read a book about the Reformation so you have a heads up. And <laughs> I've studied the Reformation. I'm good. All right, good. All right. Speaking of. Uh, radical changes <laughs> to how things were going. We're going to take a musical break and be back in a moment. Stay tuned.
Welcome back to CFRU 93.3 FM. What you just heard was Strax by uh, Worried About Satan, all in one word, uh, from their album Revenant, which just came out uh, this year, uh, from Burning Witches Records in England, quickly becoming one of my favorite independent uh, record label. Uh, really neat music. Kayla came in and she asked me, what <laughs> what kind of music is that? And... Uh, Thick, thick black framed glasses fell off, and so well, you could call it minimal synth or dark ambient or a synth wave. I didn't even listen to a answer. Yeah, it was that boring. <laughs> it's like it's, <laughs> I don't care anymore. I instantly don't care. Yeah, I'm over this. Anyway, I'm huge fan of these guys. I just heard this uh, album recently and went back to their backlog, and it's not all on this level. Um, but I'd say there are two other albums that are pretty good. Some of it gets a little housey for my taste, and this one's a little ominous, and it kind of moves over into the the uh, the synthier side versus the more um, like I'm, I'm borderline shopping for jeans in a weird futuristic mall type music. But anyway, Revenant or uh, sorry, Strax off of the album Revenant by Worry About Satan. Anyway, before we left, we were talking about. A boot, Mega Civ, and Feast for Odin. But Kale also mentioned we'd been playing Caverna uh, recently as well because, like, Kale said, Do you want to play a game? And I said, Yes. And, I, and she said, Do you want to, what do you want to play? And I said, I don't know, you pick something. And she came out with Caverna, which was interesting because we, I think we had both maybe been thinking about it on our brains. And we played it, and I think we both had a really good time again. It's like, a, it's like an old friend, you know? How you doing, it's old friend? The first place where we started saying Dwarves Home, and now we say Dwarves Home for dwarves everything. Dwarves Home for everything. Although you yeah. said Vikings Home at one point. I didn't care for that at but all. But they were Vikings. They're dwarves. They were Vikings. <laughs> Viking They're dwarves? actually Vikings. Yeah. They could be Viking dwarves if you want. I'm sorry you didn't care for it. Dwarves so, Home is is where Dwarves Home came from Caverna, and it's what we use to indicate that your, Take your workers, workers should back. come back. Yeah. You, that'll catch on. I, I think people will trademark it probably. It's, it's, it's a it's, trademark. It's clearly not Uve's trademark. So we also got to play some other more partyish or light games on the weekend as well. Oh, we did. We played. Uh... So the first one that I can think of um, was a game I've never played before called Unstable Unicorns, uh, yeah. which was. Uh, f- has Megan been on the show, Brett? No, I don't think so. I don't think they've been on the show. Um, they I, may not even listen. They probably don't listen. That's all right, though. We're I, not I don't call them friends begrudge of the show. them. I'm not. They don't get the friends of the show label. No, they can just be friends of us, which is not as cool as being friends of the show. No, and it doesn't get you the ten percent off discount. At uh, uh, Where? somewhere. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that definitely. Anyway, good. unstable unicorns uh, is a. It's cute. It, it's a it's, it's a deck builder ish. That's how Megan described it to me at first. No, case. not, it's not a deck close. builder. It's a. At best, it's like a light tableau builder. But okay, you you basically right. have you you have these you have a central deck and it's similar to sort of go fish or like um, crazy eights in the sense of but you're, you're drawing fish with unicorns. Yeah, so you're drawing a cute. card every time and you're you're allowed to play. Some of them are basic. Some of them are basic. Hold on, you're jumping ahead of me, Kayla. You're trying to play the first person who seven unicorns or six unicorns on the six. on the table wins the game. Yes. And you're only allowed to play one card a turn, and you're allowed to play any card from your hand. Some of them are downgrades, which affect an opponent in a negative way. Some of them are upgrades, which affect you in a positive way. You're stable. Your stable is what they call your, your board. Go. And everyone starts with a baby unicorn and basically one Aww. victory point. 
And there are some basic unicorns, yes. which don't provide any obvious benefit. But they're funny. But they're, they're yeah, funny. And... I, were they different? Because I, I only they were s- different. There was a hipster. There was a pop collar. There, there was, was a um, um, kind of like a, 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 bunch of a ditzy girl, and uh, I don't know. There were different things, okay? Yeah. So there, anyway, there's some a fair amount of variety in those guys, and then there's the special unicorns, which were, as far as I can tell, are all unique, and they provide some uh, very special ability yes. that may activate at the beginning of your turn when you play another card or something. And anyway, so the bottom line is everyone's doing all these things, and if somebody does something and you don't like, there are narwhals. And there are narwhals, yeah. Which are like sea unicorns. The actual unicorns, I think. Is that where they came from? Sure. Or is it mermaids? No, I think manatees were the ones that uh, sailors, <laughs> bored sailors, thought were beautiful women <laughs> swimming alongside them. So Maybe if you hadn't seen a woman in six years, you might think the same. <laughs> it's true. I have never been in the position that those, those brave sailors were in. <laughs> Just don't get mixed up with a narwhal, I guess. <laughs> Anyway, um, so you need six unicorns to win the game, and you're only allowed to play one card. So that leads to situations where you're just trying to build up your stable, but someone else is trying to blow it up or steal things from you. Um, In general, it's a very sloppy, imbalanced game, but it's cute and fun. And I think if you're not taking it too seriously and you're just there to have a couple drinks and kind of laugh and have some Mm -hmm. fun, and it it doesn't outstay its welcome. Yes. What did you think? I think that's about it. I think it's cute, and it was fine to play it. I don't want to play it every day. And I also thought it had a fun little, you know, card that let you um, stop people from using other cards. It was a spell, yeah. It was, it was called Nay, which I thought was Nay. appropriate. Yeah, Jack does it better than I do. So, yeah, it was fine. <clears throat> it wasn't phenomenal, but it was cute, and the cards are cute. And that's all about all I got for it. Yeah. So we went from unstable unicorns, and then we did. We got to try out Panic on Wall Street again. Again. And it was it was a big hit the other weekend with our yeah. friends. Yeah. And I and I I think people had fun, but it felt it had a different vibe this time. It didn't have the same energy as the previous yeah. one because we were down an extra player compared to what we had the previous yeah. time. Um, but the other part of it too, which was interesting, is that nobody had money. It was for the first broke. three rounds. Uh, money was very, very tight. The market wasn't tight. great, Jack, okay? No. The market, everything was down. Yes. And I was starting to wor- get worried. It's like, what happens if everyone <laughs> can't pay? No money. And what happens if the bank, I'm pretty sure the, um, what happens is if the um, bankers can't pay, they have to start selling uh, their shares until they can cover their debts, which is, I think it's, um, it would take you, each one costs you five or is worth 5000 So you have to sell two to pay off one. In that case. But anyway, money was so tight. And then by the third or fourth round, there were some gains in the market and then people had some cash. Um, I've only played it three times total. This one was the best game I've had by far. I ended up with something like 430000 mm-hmm. by the end. Whereas last time, I did really well. Yeah. So it was, and, but again, I'd say it remains a hit. And I, I, I really, I really want to try a, with 11. I think it's a great party game. I would love to try it with 11. Um, just like, I love that they, that, there are two different roles in the game, and you're yeah. both trying. There's two sets of people um, competing against each other, <clears throat> and there's lots of yelling, and it's fun, and people like that, and it's better when you're not trying to throw money at each other. Yeah, Jack. <laughs> I, I kept trying to pay for my stuff immediately because <laughs> I'm used to making actual deals with yeah, people on the fly. But that's part of the game is that you make promises that you can't necessarily pay yes. for, and then when it comes down, it's like whoopsie daisy, <laughs> and like I'm broke, and then you're gone. Yeah, which is fun. Yeah, so it's up to you. So Panic on Wall Street had a lot of fun with that, yes. and um, I would, I would love to bring it with me to more places because I think it would be a hit. But it does take a certain type of person because it is you're basically, and this is one of the issues, kind of like let's say Resistance, for example, and some of these other games that it's like basically you're 
you're kind of pulling the brakes on if what people are up to and saying everyone stop what you're doing mm-hmm. and let's do this. If everyone's sitting around already and it's like it's like you can just pull it out, I highly recommend sure. it. Sure, or if like that's a perfect purpose of your the, evening. Exactly. A lot of time we're having something and it's like okay, yeah. we're going to have drinks and food and games, yeah, specifically yeah, yeah. games. And people expect to be entertained, so we have to do that. Well, you know what? You said something I think is interesting. We're bordering on getting into territory of like uh, etiquette of game nights and stuff. But having explicitly a game night is important. Like if you're going to say or if you people are like, oh, I'm going over to Jack and Kayla's. Are we going to play games or not? Like I think it's important to kind of put it out there and give people an idea of if they're because not everyone wants to play a game. And I think it would change some opinions on it. And then also what sort of game do they want to play something heavy or are you going to be real light? Yeah, I think that also depends on the number of people you have as soon as you have more than five you're definitely playing party a party terror. game yeah. but i think most people assume that when they're coming to our house for the evening there's probably going to be games involved and yeah. they're actually i've had people who are disappointed before when we've had too many people to play a game and oh, it's just yeah. like a party yeah so well um, and, that, and in that sense i'm like i think panic on wall street is a neat middle ground because it's mm-hmm. so easy to set up it's so vocal easy. And it's it, there's an actual bit of a game behind it too, but it's fun. You're not sitting there and you're like, oh, well, I killed the party for half hours mm-hmm. worth of content on something that was really no. lame. Whereas in this case, it's like each round is two minutes of bartering. Yes. You pay for your stuff. There's an auction. Auction's the slowest part, like I said last time, and then you go on. But in this case, I, I think it's a neat middle ground game that... And again, I feel bad talking about it so much because I, I think it is tr- difficult to track down. I could be wrong, but... It is a, it's a neat game. It's really cool. Um, and it's almost like we're going back in time here again because we also got to play Telestrations again. And this one kind of felt a little more muted, actually. And I don't know if it's just people are getting tired by the end of the night or what was going on. But I know this is people I'm going to give you some advice here and now. If you own Telestrations, and you should, it's a great party game, please, for the love of God, clean off your books when you're done. And, and if use the right markers. And use the right markers dry erase markers are dry erase markers for a reason. If you're not using them, you can. Don't get me wrong. Don't use a permanent marker, but if you're going to use something else like a Crayola or whatever, just wipe it down when you're done yeah. because th- that, I think, kind of took some of the some of this uh, wind out of people's sails from the get-go was that uh, Megan's copy of Telstrations, whoever had used it last or wherever they took it last, people didn't clean off any of it and they used weird colors and they didn't use the normal markers. So yeah. then turning this sort of like, all right, get the elbow grease going. And it's and like, that was just kind of like, uh now my, now my wrist hurts and my elbow yeah. hurts from cleaning these books. And I think books. that it, it really did impact people because we ended up only playing one round, which is weird for Telestrations. Yeah. Usually people have fun the first round, it's great, and then the second round, they want to Well, just the more. energy wasn't there, I think. it's um, You yeah. know how when you're doing stuff and it's kind of like, ah, you can you can read the room, whether you're, yeah. you're, you can see it explicitly. It's like, look at the tiredness on people's eyes yeah. or it's just like, eh, people weren't... Because normally Telestrations is like, there's tons of Happy laughing. Happy and fun and, and people yeah. are like stressing to get it done and passing it along yeah didn't really feel that way i don't know maybe yeah i think people are probably just tired and i also think telestrations benefits from having more people as well yeah. i think it works fine at smaller numbers yeah. and it's a design to do so yeah. but i think the more that it gets around the more the word breaks down becomes something else and that that makes it that's the fun part yeah and it, it just speaks to also kind of like going back to party etiquette again too it's like you don't dump certain games on people at certain times and it's like just because you want to play a game pretty badly if you got to read the room 
And do you pull the brakes on a party or the current social situation to put some stuff down, like Telestrations, Panic on Wall Street? It's like these are games are like they're still social at its core. Even though one of the issues with Telestrations is that when you're doing it and there's no music on in the background, you become acutely aware of how quiet it can be when you're just sitting there mm-hmm. sc- scribbling on your piece of, on your mat while you're waiting, and then it's like, all right, pass them on. Like nobody talks for a bit, and that's one of the issues whether or not it's fair or not but something like let's say um like captain sonar is i would call it a party game but it is like all right everyone stop what you're doing line up this is a, a medium weight game i would yeah, say that for sure has required eight invested people in. and it's also captain sonar is amazing and i love it we haven't yeah. played it in a long time yeah. but it also takes a lot of instructions yeah. whereas telestrations takes very little yeah panic on wall street takes very little yeah. captain sonar is definitely awesome party game i love it so much but it's definitely an event that you kind of prepare for i would never just throw captain sonar at people Mm -hmm. i would warn them for sure that that's what we're gonna do yeah and make sure that they're prepared we should actually like organize a captain sonar night because it's been a while since we played yeah i think it'll be something next time that we get enough people around like give them a warning that sonar might appear or something else might appear but again it's like even if i warn that like if things are going nicely it's almost like do you still want to just like hit the brakes and push everyone over to this thing what i think is nice is if you are having a captain sonar night or, you know, we're going to play Captain Sonar. When, as soon as people get there, before you let them really relax, get them, get everyone a drink and do Captain Sonar first. I forgot to mention, too, Captain Sonar is this game. Eight players is the max. It caps out where each, and you four on each side. If you haven't played it before, you're basically playing Hunt for Red October, the game. and Or not even Hunt for Red October. It's like you're, you're two submarines trying to find each other and trying to blow up the other person. And you have to it's have... It's like Battleship. It's like Battleship. And you have to have somebody who's on the radio listening to the other team because as they're moving around and they're doing the same to you, uh, you have to have an engineer because every time your ship moves in a direction, uh, you have to sort of... Your submarine has wear and tear, so your engineer is crossing things off and systems are breaking and you've got a first mate who should be authorizing all the orders mm-hmm. uh, from you and arguably is the... Uh, position that is easiest to drop so when you play at six players you don't need the first mate which we never have yeah because i consider an eight man a minimum Mm -hmm. game but it's kind of that's just strict whatever and uh i want to play in real time yeah because real and it's real time i forgot you can play it in turn based but i don't know why you do that it takes away it's a true it's a really remarkable little game and what's cool it was designed by two uh, i believe sailors or two Mm -hmm. french sailors so they actually have this sort of command structure and they turn it into this neat experience or they it's it's a really good translation of like i imagine being on a submarine to a board game taking battleship what if battleship actually had something behind it where you actually had the control stuff so really neat little game and i'm really looking forward to playing another time and i want to see it played properly in the sense of because what happens is when we play captain sonar it's always like this where it's like east and then no 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 you can't go east you can't go east he's like no stop never mind i'm not going east um um, i'm gonna go north instead it's like it should be you have to check head. your orders. Well, and your, yeah, you have to go down the line, check it. And your and engineer is saying, like, blah, I need blah, you blah. to go east, Captain. Or, and it's like, shit, or, and not doing, like, uh, fire torpedoes. Captain, the weapons are down. All right, I'm not firing torpedoes. Yeah, that's <laughs> Even not Even though that's not really. as critical because it seems well, to me. It's still, like, it'd it's be more like confusing, clunk, clunk, clunk. though. The, if you yell in order, or like a direction and then you can't go that way, that's super it's, confusing. Yeah, and it's really unfair to the other side. Yeah, so 
we're we're trying to refine Captain Sonar into yes. a more elegant experience. It gets away from just the chaos and yeah. more of like a control. It is supposed to be a controlled experience. It yeah. is like somewhat chaotic, and that's just the nature of yeah, yeah. It's supposed a live to be fun action too. game. But yeah, it's supposed to yeah. And that's like, and this is what I was kind of saying or trying to get at with sort of the party game stuff is that some games to have party game sort of elements to them. And going back to Mega Civ, for example, one of the parts that I would say is like, so you have the really nerdy chit pushing stuff and kind of, well, whose turn is it? Now I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that and just wait and it's like oh man this can drag but when you get to the trading phase then it becomes i would say a party game in the sense yeah, of sure. is unless you're being hyper hyper uh, particular about what you're trying to accomplish you're just trying to make sets and that's wheeling yeah. and dealing and you got six minutes and promising it's, things you don't have promising things you don't have and it's almost like you're playing like panic on wall street in a yeah. sense because they have there's, there's this wheeling and dealing and hustling aspect and that i'm making a deal with kayla Nothing to stop someone else from coming in and making a better deal with her, especially mm. if someone's collecting something I'm trying to collect. Yeah. You're and listening to what I'm dealing, you're like, no, 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 no. Hold on, stop, stop, stop. I, <laughs> I can offer you better. And uh, we don't have much time left on the show, but I'll just say that um, I was reading something about Megasiv, and somebody was saying how, uh, because in previous times what happens is that the level 9 stack in Megasiv has uh, these very valuable goods in there, but there's not many of them, and... Uh, they're mixed up, and they're also two of the worst calamities mixed into the level 9 stack. And one person was saying he never, ever touches level 9. Uh, he just sits at eight cities, basically. And he only exclusively buys from the stacks that are below. And what he likes to do is that he would trade. He was more than happy to trade higher-level goods for lower-level ones because he found people are more likely to trade for them. Mm -hmm. So he would throw those in yep. just to get these bigger sets of the tinier ones, which were just as good. And he found he was cashing in quicker than other players who were sitting there holding out, right. let's say, two rounds mm -hmm. to build up a decent set of seven or eights when he was filling up fives and fours, which are worth tons of points still. So that's the sort of mathy stuff that maybe a game like, let's say, Civ rewards more than maybe the worst that happens to you in Panic on Wall Street is you overpay for something or you stretch yourself too thin and you're hoping for the, come on, go up seven, and then no, it's still zero and I'm broke. Or I owe people 20 bucks uh, each. But anyway, um, the last I want to say too is that what's, do you remember Jackbox? Yes. How do you feel about Jackbox in party situations? I, I kind of was opposed to it at first, but I think it's pretty fun. Describe Jackbox for anyone who doesn't so, know. So Jackbox, you need some sort of gaming device. I don't know which one it is. But everyone connects to it with their smartphones. Uh, you can go to a website and then you can play. And it's actually pretty neat. It's like playing a video game together. There's, uh, you know, quiz games or drawing games or whatever type of games. They probably have more now because we haven't played in a while. Well, they're kind of like party games but they digital form. party games that have digital form. And they're pretty cool. I yeah. think they're fun with the right crowd and the right time. I don't like doing it all the time because, no. again, you're just staring at your phone, you're staring at a screen, and that's not really the point for me. But I think they're they have a their their place. Yeah, it's a neat mix for me because I think it's it's something that maybe people who because it, almost everyone has a cell phone today that's capable of doing this stuff. Um, people who have Jackbox I think it's rarer at least because uh, I can only think of two people that have Jackbox mm. but it's something that I would consider picking up because it's for PC PS4 Xbox I don't know if there's oh, a really? Switch version of it yeah um, 
But what's neat about it is like a lot of these popular party games, I don't want to say they're ripped off because you can't steal mechanics in games. You can you can steal the name of them. You can steal like exact conventions from them. But the mechanics themselves, um, you can't touch. Or you, you're allowed to take. So there's certain things in there like, because we've got a game that I've been wanting to play for a while or bring out called A Fake Artist Goes to New York. And the premise of the game is that um, one person is a phony and everyone else is uh, are the real artists and all the real artists know what they're trying to draw. The fake artist does no clue what everyone's trying to draw. So everyone's allowed to make one line for their uh, for their on their turn and trying to build this uh, shape. When it comes to fake artist's turn, uh oh, hmm, <laughs> um, how about that? <laughs> Isn't that correct? And so they're trying to guess who he is. And the fake artist also has like a manager that's trying to help him uh, s- s- squeeze his way into the greasy parts of the arts at art world. There are versions of this on Jackbox that I'm aware mm-hmm. of where you're trying to figure out who doesn't actually know yep. what they're supposed to be drawing. True. And then there's code words and different things along these lines and just strip tw- quiz mm-hmm. games and things about like not necessarily yeah. guessing what the answer is, but what the mm-hmm. what you think people are going to vote think is the right answer on this stuff. So. Yeah, it's a cool mechanic. Spyfall does the same thing. Spyfall, again, and that's it. So you just have these similarities between other games. And Spyfall is something we don't talk about ever. We don't have a copy of it. Um, I don't know if I'd love it, but it's still a it's fun okay. game. Yeah. Like, if people were pulling it out, I'd be quite happy. It's just yeah. the issue with Spyfall especially, and this is what happens with some other games, is that there's a very... Um, it, it straddles the line between um, sort of acting mm-hmm. and an actual game because with Spyfall, you you end up in this position where you're forcing people to sort of like be very sort of... Um, uh, they have to put on a show and that can be difficult for a lot of people who aren't as comfortable and it can come across very stilted and you're, the whole premise is just like what Kayla was comparing it to is that you're trying to figure out who doesn't belong in this mm-hmm. place but they don't know where everyone else is and they're trying to figure out what where they are but you don't want to reveal to be too explicit in it so you're trying to suss out who's not supposed to be there but it's a good game but I think it can fail if the party group is not the same, just like Resistance can fail in the wrong group, just like I'm sure any of these party games can fail, but they're more fragile in general. But I think on that note, Jaunty Drums. Was that me, Jack? The bass is here. Dun, 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 dun. Anyway, this is the end of the episode of Android Dungeon that you were just listening to. Party games, know when to hold them, know when to fold them, just like any game, for example. But uh, anyway, thank you for listening. I'm Jack. I'm Kayla. Stay tuned, CFRU, at least while you still can. If you want, you can sign a petition to try and keep the lights on. I don't know if it'll make a difference, but uh, you're welcome to. doesn't hurt. It, I'm sure it doesn't hurt, unless somebody really hates petitions <laughs> and they get, they get real angry about you it. You might get a paper cut. Might get a paper cut, but... Anyway, keep listening, stay tuned. Other good shows on the way. Bye-bye.